Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. All right. You know, when I first became a Christian, I had lots of other Christians, a whole bunch of people who were Christians, and they all told me this very same thing. You got it. God communicates the Bible. I mean, it was like, they said, I said, well, what does that mean? You know, um, uh, uh, and they said, well, you got to read it. Like how, how often? Every day. And you need to study it and you need to memorize it. And I remember thinking, oh man, what have I gotten into, right? Uh, I remember this place of when they started explaining the Bible, I was at a stage where I hated school. I, I literally would just go in before class, realize what the test was. I'd scan the back of the book. I had this really slick way of figuring out kind of what the general questions are so I could pass the test with maybe three minutes of study, right? I hated school. I have no motivation. I didn't like reading. I probably should have been diagnosed with something. I wasn't. It's just hard. Everything was like, you know, in school. So I hear I became a Christian. I think, oh, that's how I hear God as I study. This is going to be great, right? That's how I thought. And so I remember thinking to myself, okay, I've got to figure this out. And I felt overwhelmed, but I tried, right? And so I would read the Bible, and what I would do is I literally would read it and think, oh, this is no, 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 no. And I just keep going till there's something that I could understand, and I just stay on that. And then I get in the middle of it, and I couldn't understand it, I wouldn't think. Uh, so I just go keep going until I find something. Oh, now I kind of understand that, right? And I just kept doing this. I started realizing, you know, I'm going to stick in Proverbs. The rest of the Old Testament is too hard. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm never going to get near Revelations. I'm just going to, I like the stories. I like Jesus' words. So I just selected all the things that I wanted to, to, to go through. And then here's how I did it was I thought, okay, because I was listening to all these people talk about how important the Bible is. And I think, the time I learn what they tell me I need to know it's going to be too late, so I just got to pick up what I can, right? Because life's moving ahead, and I'm in trouble, and I need to figure out something. So I just decided, this my, here's my really theological way of doing it. I would pray and read at the same time. Pray and read. Pray and read. And I would just get to a spot, and I'd think, I understand that a little bit. So I'd pray, and all of a sudden, light bulbs would start coming off. And it'd go off, and I'd, I'd, get my, I'd start underlining, you know? Sometimes I would highlight, Right? And that's how I, that's how I, I loved it. And, uh, you know, later, uh, and this is the Bible I had. It was called The Way. Everything about this Bible I liked, you know? The girl was really good looking. That was, that was no light matter. Like, and she probably loved Jesus, you know? Like, this would be a, a pretty good girl to date, I thought. You know, so I, I liked that part. And then, uh, and then the way was really good because that's what I needed. I needed to figure out how do I do this? What's the way to this? And so I thought, I like that. Then <laughs> there's illustrations, right, in this thing, right, and stories and, you know, pictures of hippies. And it's like, hey, I like this, right? And I would just, man, I just, uh, it's funny, I was just looking for Bibles in the back. By the way, if you need a Bible, we'll have, we have a whole stack of them. You just grab one because uh, we're going to do some, a lot of Bible today. And uh, I, remember, I remember having, and I was looking for those Bibles, and I ran across, the, the, I had to look underlined, I had guessed the best picture I could of the Bible I had. And I ran across it, and I have it stuck in the cabinet in there. So I'm going to take it home, because I found out later this thing's worth $55 on used market. So I, I don't, know wh- don't know why exactly, but uh, 
Anyway, so I, I, um, I, I just realized that, you know, I just, that's how I did it. And then this thing happens later on, these really smart people who seem to know God a lot, they said, you can't trust the living Bible. And I thought, what? Oh, no. <laughs> and I remember thinking, uh-oh, hide that living Bible. I went back and got me an NIV, study Bible, and I got some different stuff, and I changed my whole approach, right? I remember feeling a bit ashamed that here I was, this crazy new Christian who just underlined stuff. They didn't really even know the context and didn't understand the history. And like, what was I thinking, right? And I went through a season in my life where I began taking the Bible seriously like these people told me I should. And all I'm saying it wasn't there's some really good stuff in it. Learning context, understanding, the, you know, the, the audience that's being spoken to, the writers, the timelines, some history. It's good to know the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. All those kind of things. It's kind of important, right? And it's really good. And so I gained some really good tools. But quite honestly, I experienced Jesus a lot less. Which is really strange. Because I was really putting a lot of information in. And yet I found myself, you know, just not highlighting as many things. And I didn't have that same experience that I did before. And it took a number of years before that started coming back. And I just had an understanding that, you know, that, you know, this, you know, John Wimber used to say, and I'm wrong, he said this, it's just lit up, like, this book is the menu, it's not the meal. As we take in this book into our heart, it takes us to the substance of Jesus. It actually opens ourselves to be able to experience God and know God. We don't eat the book, right? The substance is in Jesus. And that's really what I started coming back to. And so I say that because even though I understand a lot more about the Bible and I can kind of understand where, where the timelines and all that sort of thing, you know, I, you need to know that for God to speak through Scripture, you don't have to be smart. <laughs> uh, you don't have to be a mature Christian. You don't have to be educated. You don't even have to read. You understand 20% probably, maybe up to 20% of some of the, the first century church might not have been able to read. And they just had to hear the word and memorize the word and think on the word and get explain that. They didn't, have, they didn't have a book to carry around with the writings. They didn't usually have access to those things, but they remembered and they took it in and they thought about it and it changed their life. They seemed to do pretty good. And that's so encouraging because it shows you it's accessible. The scripture is accessible to every person and he can speak to you through the scripture. I think I, 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 would put it in two, I would put this in kind of two pictures of my two different seasons. The, the early season, it was like, here's what it's kind of like. Have you ever had a, a parent who just deeply loves their child? Imagine this scene. I mean, just loves the presence of their child. And this young child is sitting on their lap, and they're explaining things to them because they know how to help that child understand. And the parent is just loving this child and helping them understand what is truth that they can't comprehend on their own. 
and their light bulbs are coming on, and the parents excited, and they're excited. That's what I experienced early on, and then later. But in between stage, it was like this. Jesus was a professor up front who had a very accurate understanding of all things, and he was telling me, read the book, and here's your assignment. Figure it out. Try to figure it out. And I lived according to spiritual principles, which was good. I lived according to certain truths. But it, I missed so much of Jesus because of how I viewed Scripture. So today, we're going to be talking a lot about, well, actually, for the next six weeks, we are going to come into Scripture, and we're going to, <laughs> we may have everybody leave by the end of this, but every week, we're going to, have, we're going to read three chapters over and over and over. Three, three chapters. Three chapters. See, see, my wife didn't even believe it. Like, what? I'm out of here. Three chapters. You've got to be kidding me. But what we're doing, again, this is a place, if you're a consumer, this is not going to go well. <laughs> but if you decide to participate, it's a place you have, you have about, it's eight to ten minutes as we're reading these chapters to be able to go along with them, all right? And so uh, I want to kind of just you know, set up just a little bit of the context. This is, this, we're going to, now, it, it, this is three primary chapters when Jesus is speaking his last words to his disciples, and so we have six weeks up to Easter, and these are the words he spoke before his crucifixion and resurrection. Kind of important. Pretty well telling them, how do you live on this earth? Which is really relevant to us, and so we want to listen to him on that, but we can take this in a place that we're not like them, like looking around. We have time to read it and take it in, just like they did over the years. And we want you to begin taking it in as you're listening to it and put yourself in the story and let God speak to you through this. this. And so we have, we have three chapters with six weeks to stay camped in it. So you can do it in your, your devotional times or whatever, but every time we're going to do that. So I'm going to have Chris come on up here because you would be in disaster if I read this much. All right, so... and. Uh, and a couple of things I want to just show you, talk to you about when we, when we do this. We're going to read John 15, 17. You can turn the mic on and get ready. And a couple of things I'd say. If you don't have the Bible app, a view version on your phone, it's a great Bible app. You should have it. Just point your camera. I think you know how to do all that stuff. Get the QR code. Download this app. And you should have that. So I encourage you as we're doing this, whatever allows you to stay present with the text we're reading, right? So for some, that may be fidgeting. So fidget all you want. Some of you may be closing your eyes and listening. Many of you will probably want to follow along so you're able to read along with that. And, and you can read and we can follow. We're going to have NIV this time. Uh, but then after, after uh, uh, NIV, uh, we can, you can read any version you want out of your, uh, but just so you'll know in case you want to follow exactly the same translation, but maybe do a different one. You can get, grab a printed Bible in the back. If you don't have one, you can bring your own. You know. But here's what we want you to do as you're listening. So there's a part you play in this. What you don't want to do is check out. Okay, so, so then we'll start there. Now, what you do want to do is take note. As you're listening, pay attention to things that go, oh, what's that? The things that you're finding yourself respond to. Take, take note. What's highlighted? What things stand out? A phrase like, that's an interesting phrase, or what does that mean? Pay attention to your emotions. Oh, man, that makes me angry. This makes me happy. I'm not sure what that means. Pay attention to what's happening inside of you, even your sensations or images that come to your mind, and just be open that God wants to speak to you through Scripture. So I'm going to turn it over to Chris. I'm going to just do exactly what you're doing and hang out and listen. 
and uh, and then when Chris is done, I'll come back up. Okay, can you hear me? Okay. John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must re remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among... If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you, and you also must testify. For you have been with me from the beginning. All this, have I, all this I have given, all this I have told you, so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I'm going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask, ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor 
will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to, to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me that is taken, that is taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain, because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now your time of grief, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in his name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. But this, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. 
I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew you. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm, in com- I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while, I'm, while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full me- measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you, that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I, I am, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as, as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Let's give Chris a big hand for that. That was harder than my teaching. So, You know, after you read that, you think, okay, we have actually some context for some of this. Imagine being in a room and all that kind of conversation had gone on for that long. (laughs) You understand why they fell asleep at Gethsemane afterwards. Like, it's too much, right? It's a lot. And so what I would say is just... Again, here's what that lot, as you look at that, understand that's why we have six weeks to, un, to, to, to spend time and start unpacking that. But we're going to do, what we're doing is we're just allowing this teacher not to try to go inductively through it. We're just going to have something that stands out for the teacher and pray about it and say, okay, what, do you, what stands out? So this is my job. It's not like a teaching so much. It's like saying, okay, I've, I've been through this scripture, been looking at it, praying over it for a long time, and more than you have just kind of going through it, and what stands out? 
You know, what do I pay attention that I noticed as I go through it? And a couple things that, to me, the verse that stood out is John 16, 5 through 7, those three verses. They just kept standing out to me. So I thought, oh, this is a highlighting moment. Like, what's that? Why does that keep standing out to me? And so as we begin look at it, I just want to read it. And then I want you just to, to again, this is nice because after all that whoo, context of that, like now we can narrow it down. Let's take a small part, not the whole thing. We have the context of all that's going on, but this one part, as we look at it, Jesus says, I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is good, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Let's read one more time, just as you think about this verse. Again, as we're doing this, pay attention to the things that you think we have questions on or what might stand out. If it helps you close your eyes as I'm reading it, it's a good way of kind of concentrating if it helps for you to look at the words. Now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because of what I said, I, because I said these things. But truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I think the things as I looked at that, as I kind of, I just noticed these three things as, as I was looking at these and thinking on it. First off, this thing about I'm going to the one who sent me, Throughout this whole, even back if you, we didn't, we didn't want to take you through all of it, but there's actually two other chapters that lead up to this, right? Where a lot of happens, but throughout the whole context of around the Lord's Supper, as he's speaking and preparing them, he's, he's always saying these things, like right in the middle, like, my time has come. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go. I'll leave. Where I'm going, you can't come. I mean, stuff like that just dropped in like this. And so what we see here is, first off, this right here, he says this, and then Jesus, this is after, after he's watching them respond to this, him speaking, like every time he mentions this going part, probably he can just see their hearts sink, like just sadness is growing every time he says it again. In fact, that's what he means by this. He says, none of you ask me where you're going. In other words, you're not saying, tell us about heaven, tell us about the Father. They're not even able to even take it in because every time he says it, they're just stuck and they're just like sadness is growing and growing, and they can't think about anything but their sadness because they're filled with grief when I say these things. So when they listened to this, they didn't think, oh, this is exciting. They thought, I'm just sad. I'm just sad. I don't understand what you're saying. I'm just sad. And then he says this, and this is really interesting. He says, but very truly. Now, when it says very truly, it's really, it means to, it means a spot of like paying attention, saying like, this is something I want you to understand is fact. Pay attention. This, what I'm speaking here, is not imagination. It's real. you got to understand this is real. That's what that really means. This is very, when he puts that up, he's preparing them to say, 
What I'm saying here is true, and you can count on it. I tell you that it is good that I'm going away. What do you think they thought when they said, like, no, it's not. I mean, I, if you're in grief, it's like that. But he's basically saying, I know you're in grief. And I understand that. I'm compassionate towards that. But you have to understand what's happening here, me going away, is good for you. In fact, some translation says it's to your advantage for me to go. Right? Unless I go away, the advocate, some people say counselor, actually NIV actually switched it to advocate recently because it actually is a better way of looking at it. An advocate, according to that Greek word they're talking about this, talking about this advocate, would be best translated advocate, is somebody who is so close to you, they're near you, they can comfort, care for you because they're so close to you. That's what that means. So I'm going to send someone so close to you who is beside you. But I can't send him until I go away. And I have to go to the Father. So if you can imagine what all that is going on, he makes it really clear. He understands their sadness. And, you know, I mean, think about what they, just think about, imagine what it was like to be a disciple at a point. You've been three years with this guy. And the depths of your connection over all the history for three years, sleeping, eating, walking, you know this person, and here's what you know. Every time you're in trouble, he's there. <laughs> Every time you don't know what to do, he's there. Every time you have a question, he's there. And now he keeps talking and saying, I have to go. I'm going to go. And they understand, like, they've experienced suffering, and they've experienced loss. They've had people who have died and gone, you know, gone on. You know, like they've, they've, they understand that once someone leaves the earth, they're not there. <laughs> And yet, when, he was, when he's talking the whole time, simultaneously, he keeps saying, oh, by the way, uh, I'm leaving, but I'll always be with you. And I'm guessing they're just like shaking their head, like, you're leaving, but you're always being with me. And we kind of understand that now because we have concepts because we've seen the whole picture, but they're in the front of the story. They didn't understand any of this. And so, but I, and verse 7 is this place of understanding that that we often think about Jesus. And I, I've had lots of people, you know, as a pastor, people say, oh, you're a pastor. I've always thought it would be, you know, and a lot of people will say things like this, like, oh, I just wish, I think, man, what, wouldn't it be so cool if I could have been one of the disciples and actually been on the earth with Jesus? Like, oh, and I understand what they're getting at. I think that would be pretty cool too, quite honestly. Be pretty good to have that part of history. But, and I understand that. That is cool. That would be cool. But really what's behind it is, it's a shame I only have what I have as a Christian. I wish I had what I, a follower of Jesus. I wish I had what I, they had as a follower of Jesus. That's really what's behind it. Like, wouldn't it be nice to actually access Jesus like they did and ask him these questions and let him comfort you and care for you? I mean, wouldn't that be great? That's what they're thinking, right? Just not the same, but according to what Jesus' own words is, is no, it's actually better. Now here, now just take that in a little bit. What, were, what happened to the disciples after Jesus left and the advocate, the Holy Spirit, came at Pentecost was better than when they had Jesus on the earth and could touch him physically. 
Either Jesus is a liar or it is better. So listen, let me just, let's, let's just think about the disciples. Was it really better? All right? Because what they're thinking is, I'm just connecting in this deep relational way, and if you leave, that lo I lose this, right? So was it better? Think about these things with the disciples. Can, think about when they were with Jesus on the earth, and then think about after Pentecost, which was better as we go through. When were the disciples closest to Jesus? Before Pentecost, when he was on the earth, or afterwards? According to all the writings, I see a lot more happened afterwards as far as closeness, love, and intimacy. How about when did the disciples understand Scripture and what Jesus was saying the best? While he was there or after Pentecost? Clearly after Pentecost. How about this? What did disciples, how, when were they most easily led into the things God asked them to do? Before Pentecost, when they were with Jesus on earth, or after? After, right? How about uh, when did they uh, experience the most boldness and confidence in their calling on earth? Or when did, they, when did they share the message without fear? When did they experience the most peace in the hardest situations? You know, which was it? When did they have the most supernatural power coming through them to other people? All of it is after the advocate came. And here's the great news. We're in the better part of things right now. And God is personal and real. And this whole thing he's trying to explain in these 13 chapters is the things that will be happening because he's going to go away and he's going to be with them. And the reason he can be with them in a different way is because he has to go away and this advocate has to come. Now, you know, we, we look at this and I put the, the terminology I use is Jesus left so we, so we could be with him. I think another way of putting that same thing, truthfully, is Jesus laid down his life so we could be with him. He lost his life so we could be with him. And this is the truth. And it, it's not dependent on how smart you are. It's not dependent on how you have, have special supernatural gifting or this or that. It, it's because this is how God does with his children. He has given us his Holy Spirit. And it's not like theoretical. It's, it's a place that we can experience the, Jesus in the most personal way. Him being our helper, our counselor, the person who leads us and guides us. But our part is just simply to yield to his Holy Spirit and to trust the truth that he speaks to us. So what I want us to do as we close, I just want you to close your eyes. Just take a little bit of time to think on this one part of the scripture is that it is better that I go away so you can have my spirit. And to recognize 
That's not just for his disciples. That's for everybody in this room. So just think about this, that Jesus laid down his life so he wants to be with you. Take some time as you're considering that. Pay attention to the words of that as far as that, what in that truth that we think on it, what stands out to you? How do you respond to that? Do you believe that you can have that degree of personal relationship with Jesus now? You, you don't have to hide that. Be honest with him. Tell him what you think about that. Just ask Jesus a question like, Jesus, what do I do with that truth that you have given me the Holy Spirit and I can experience you and you want to be present and personal even better than what the disciples had with you when you're on this earth? Lord, what do you, what do you want to communicate to me through that? Like, what do you want to say to me, God?